What's up, everybody? Derek Dernberger here with The Break and the Knocked and Loaded podcast. I do not have a guest today. I'm here by myself, which is a good thing because there are a few things that I need to fill you guys in on. Uh, This is going to be the last Knocked and Loaded podcast. So don't worry. I know a lot of you guys are excited about hearing me talk and bringing in some guests. So uh, I'm just kidding. You're probably not that excited. But from now on, we're going to call the podcast The Break. And there's a few reasons that uh, that I'm doing this, and we'll dive into that right now. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Knocked and Loaded Podcast. So I'm changing the name of the podcast from Knocked and Loaded to The Break. Um, I kind of give you a little history of how I got to where I'm at right now and why I chose knocked and loaded in the first place. It really comes down to, I tend to overthink everything and I, I don't know if I'm a grass is greener on the other side type of guy, but I feel like I'm trying to, well, obviously trying to grow my business, but I feel like I need to go in many different directions, but what I should do, in my opinion, now looking at it, is focus on the brand that I already have, which is the break, and not try to create too many brands, if that makes sense. So kind of where I've got gotten to where I'm at today, how I've gotten to where I'm at today, I started in the industry, about in the hunting industry, probably, let's see, in 2000 late 2010, December of 2010, as a matter of fact, I started a company called Hunter's Link LLC. And really what Hunter's Link was in the beginning was just a website. It had direct links to information that hunters needed that they they searched for on the internet. Um, And kind of where that started was I hunt a lot of -of out-of-state areas hunt different game and out of state and if you're going and looking for information on you know another state's dnr website or department of conservation or whatever it is to try to find information on the state whether it's permits public land to hunt um you know seasons applications whatever it is a lot of those webs or websites are very hard to navigate and you search and you search and you tend not to find the right information. So I come up with the idea that I was going to create a website with direct links to the main things that hunters are searching for on the internet, which is season dates, permits, uh, applications, um, public land hunting, those type of things. So created the website at all 50 States and that's how I started in this industry, it has grown into many different directions. Hunterslink.com did. I started videoing my hunts. Um, once again, I originally started back in the mid nineties, videoing my hunts with Joey Henneman, who I had in here on the first podcast and Craig Heiser, who was in here on the first podcast as well. But, uh, I always regretted getting out of, videoing my hunt so i had the website um so i just decided i'm gonna decided i'm gonna pick up a camera and and start videoing my hunts again 
and I uploaded them to hunterslink.com um, and just put them out there for people to watch. And I had a hunting network notice what I was doing. Um, it was the Hunt Channel. If you remember the Hunt Channel, they were on uh, Dish, Dish Network for four or five years, I think. They saw what I was doing, and they asked me if I wanted to uh, create a show on their their network. I mean, really, what they were doing is they saw I was in the industry, and they were selling me selling me airtime. But I was intrigued, and I definitely wanted to do it. So I said, "You ain't gonna have to give me a year. I don't have enough footage to create a, a TV show yet. But I'm gonna have to take another year to stockpile footage, and you know, I was gonna have to create a team. So." I just started talking to some of the hunters I knew, and they uh, talked to some of the hunters they knew that were interested in, you know, they were hunting, already hunting, but were interested in videoing their hunt. So that's how that started. I got about, I started with four guys, my four original guys, Jeremy Mills, um, Zach Hanus, um I can't even think of who star, who started first with me. I got so many now. Chase Eskew and Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, not the real Willie Nelson, but another Willie Nelson. So it was the four of us. I met those guys and uh, brought them on board, and then it just kind of grew from there. You know, Jeremy knew Jason Miles. Jason Miles knew Carl Drake and – it just started snowballing from there, and next thing you know, we got 30 guys currently on the break staff that uh, are sending me their footage for the show, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. So we come up, I had to come up with a name for the show. It wasn't going to be Hunter's Link TV. Um, that's kind of what I was doing on the online thing originally, but I needed a real name, and the break made sense. So a lot of people wonder well what does the break mean um the break is about the non-professional hunter you know none of us have our professional hunters we don't make a living hunting uh, or in the hunting industry i don't i'm the owner of the show and i still don't um probably never will but uh so we're all hunters and every break we spend from we get away from work and um, just everyday responsibilities around the house and, you know, family duties and responsibilities. We're out there hunting and doing our thing in the outdoors, hunting the break. So, uh, that's how the break came about. That's how we got the name. Um, so I started Aaron on pursuit channel or not pursuit channel on the hunt channel in 2014. Um, Two years of stockpiling footage, talked to the Hunt Channel in 2012, stockpiled footage, created the team in 2013, and 2014, we're airing. We're airing our hunting footage from the previous two years. And, you know, it got a decent following. Some people started watching it. Um, moved to, eventually moved to primetime on the Hunt Channel. I started out just in the morning. So how, a lot of people don't even know how TV works. Um, Randy Birdsong, who was in here uh, for one of the podcasts, the second or third podcast we did, um, we kind of talked about it then, but how it works is 
you buy your airtime. You buy a 30-minute time slot from the network. And then you have to go out there and sell advertising. So there's three commercial breaks in in an episode. And depending on how much time you know you negotiate into your contract, you own a certain amount of time of that commercial time. So your job is to go out there. A lot of people call them sponsors. Um, but really you're selling advertising is, is what it amounts to. And you're putting together a marketing package for, you know, your partners, your sponsors, if you want to call them that. So you got to roll the dice. Um, Randy talked about going right to the outdoor channel, the, the biggest network there is when it comes to the out, you know, hunting and outdoor, outdoor, um, TV, it was about $250,000 or 200,000, whatever he said, you'll have to listen to that podcast. But, uh, I wasn't going to take that big of a bite. So the hunt channel, I took the least expensive time I could. And I think it was, uh, it was like seven, $7,000 just for my airtime. So I signed the contract, you know, and I wanted to go cheap that it wasn't going to bankrupt me if this didn't work out, if I didn't sell a single, I didn't pick up a single partner, a single sponsor, or didn't sell any advertising. So I went that route and went out there and picked up some partners and we aired our first season. Um, the second year, you know, I got a little bit more support from new partners and ended up moving to prime time, uh, trying to get, you know, just more exposure. Um, did that again for the third year and, Three years on the hunt channel. Was it three years on the hunt channel? I think that's right. Yeah, three years on the hunt channel from 2014, 2015, 2016. And then in 2017, um, moved to pursuit channel. Just took the next step up. You know, we just grew in popularity. We grew in partner support. And uh, we just wanted to take it to the next level. So Still currently airing on Pursuit Channel, which Pursuit Channel has grown as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've grown their distribution, which is great. Um, you know, we're growing our following on with the break. So uh, it's, uh, it's going really, really well. Um, but I've always got this thought in the back of my head. And every business owner, you know, you've got to grow your business. So... I decided I was going to do a podcast and the idea of the podcast was I was going to start knocked and loaded, call it knocked and loaded. And I was going to start a second TV show called knocked and loaded. That was the idea. Just pr uh, promote the knocked and loaded podcast on the break and just build the name up and then roll that right into another TV show on you know, on sportsman's channel or whatever it is, just another network and a more professional production. Cause the break is about, you know, we're the amateurs out there. We're not professionals and we make fun of ourselves and, you know, people don't expect there to be good footage, but you know, I want to grow into a more professional production. Um, so you're watching better hunts and, you know, better, uh, video editing and production. So, that was the idea. Start another TV show, a more professional production. So everybody that's seen the break before, they don't, you know, they got it in their head that, well, it's kind of just thrown together. It's not, it's not uh, very, uh, it's not a well-oiled machine, if you want to call it that. 
but uh, the new deal was going to be great. But I've also, so I've got that. I've got the break. I've got the knocked and loaded podcast that I want to turn into a set, another TV show. And I'm thinking I'm going to follow Drury Outdoors. You know, they've got four or five shows running at the same time every year. I think I want to go that route. And the reason is because we were going to, you know, I'm going to expand into other areas of the outdoor industry. Um, one of them being properties. Um, we're going to invest into hunting properties buy really raw properties and go in there and just turn them into a, you know, a, a hunting haven, if you will, just, you know, designed for recreation and hunting. Um, and we were going to license that out. My idea was to license that out with a big name in the industry. Um, however, I don't think they were interested in getting in that, in that, um, industry, the property management or, or real estate industry. Um, it's just not something they're accustomed to. They're more into just merchandise and retail. So that kind of got put on the back burner when we didn't, when we, when I'm, we weren't going to get that name to go with, you know, the new business we're starting because it would add instant credibility. Um, you know, then we are going to have to come up with another name. And that's when I started thinking, you know what, maybe the knocked and loaded thing isn't going to, you know, it's not an avenue I wanted to go down because I didn't want to have three different names. If it wasn't going to be the big name in the industry, uh, the licensing deal. So at that point I decided, you know what, break makes sense. The break makes sense. The break properties, the break podcast, the break TV show. I'm going to dedicate everything into one brand, which is the break. So circling back to the podcast, knocked and loaded will be no more. The break will be the new podcast name and everything I'm doing is going to be focused on the break because again, on the property thing, recreational properties, you need to break away from everything you're doing. Come hit your property, the break property, go hunting, go fishing, just relax, take a break. So, uh, see, that doesn't make sense, right? Um, as far as the break TV show, we're just going to have to get better and we're going to grow. So expect to see much better production on the break and much better. If you watch the break, that is expect to see. And if you watch some of our older stuff, which was horrid back in season one, I look at, at it now and I'm just thinking to myself, good Lord, that was, uh, that was terrible, but we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. So again, if you've seen the break in the past, in the next couple years, expect the production to be much, much better. Uh, we're still going to tell the story how it is. You know, we're not professionals. Um, we just want to get, make a cleaner broadcast. If you want to want to call that a lot, much, much cleaner episode. So that's where we're at right now. So, um, I'm glad it's going to the break because I, you've heard me say on here before, if you've listened to these podcasts that, I absolutely hate social media and I started the knocked and loaded, uh, Instagram page and face Facebook page 
and I just look at it and I see we've got 80 followers on Instagram or something like that and you know trying to grow it to where the break Instagram page is which is at hunt the break we're up there at a following of 6500 and I just remember all the work that it took to get me to get it that you know that high which is not very high compared to a lot of the other TV shows out there and and everywhere else so help me out there and tell all your friends type in at hunt the break on Instagram and give us a follow so we can grow that but again 80 something followers on Instagram and I dreaded building that up so I'm actually actually very very relieved that uh we're going to the break podcast um and again you know none of us on the break I you know my real job is with a major railroad I probably don't want to say which one but there's a couple big ones so one of those um and I've been on furlough so I've been laid off for two years two and a half years actually um the economy got slow about three years ago and they cut off where I was working in southeast Missouri uh, they cut off at least half of the employees in this area so I was uh cut off for a while which was a good thing it wasn't a good thing income wise but it was a good thing for me to grow the break the tv show and i certainly did over those two years um but again this this industry is tough to make a living and i'm not doing well enough to make a living in it so bnsf called us back to work since the economies has picked up and uh i had to go back to work so this is the first podcast i've did that i've done in about three weeks mainly because i've been so busy with my real job um i haven't had any breaks See, we circle back to the break. We're just working guys here. I haven't had a break to to do anything, um, but it's kind of slowed down a little while. It really hasn't slowed down. I've just been taking some time off um, here lately because it's turkey season. So uh, I'm uh, in here tonight doing a podcast, and the reason why I'm in here tonight is I'm up in my office in in Jackson, Missouri is where I'm at, and my son, Sam, has baseball practice that's going on right now. So I decided to swing by the office while he's at practice and uh, kind of just lay down this podcast real quick to tell you what's going on. But it is turkey season um, in Illinois. It's the first week in Illinois. And I've been hunting over there. So uh, I've taken some time off work to do that and had a little bit of success this morning. Um started hunting over there. It opened on Monday of this week. Uh, Craig Heiser and I, I hunted on his farm over there. Uh, it's his lease that he's hoping to buy. And uh, maybe he'll buy it through our partnership with the Break Properties. Uh, we'll see. But I think he's going to buy it for his personal, personal use because it's a great farm. Anyways, we went over there hunting. Had Joey come along with me and the Turk professor, Joe Hain. So Joey Henneman come over joe hain those two guys to video craig and i um the birds that first opening morning just silent and it was freezing cold it was i think uh in the upper 20s when we got out there that morning um or 30 degrees right at 30 degrees it was freezing below freezing and it never really warmed up it got up to i think when we were driving home um 
I don't know, several hours after daylight. We didn't stay long because, again, we didn't hear anything and didn't see anything. So uh, we took off out of there at, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, whatever it was. Uh, no luck. Um, I couldn't hunt the next day, that Tuesday. Um, I had to work, got called to work, so I had to do some things. But Craig went over there, and he heard four different gobblers. It warmed up a little bit in the late afternoon on Monday. So Tuesday, um, it wasn't quite as cold, and Craig had had heard a lot of gobblers. So he uh, let me know that, uh, you know, we needed to hunt on Wednesday morning. So he and I went over there Wednesday morning. And we set up kind of where he saw there's this big, I say big, there's a, it's actually a really big bottom of, uh, of fields, of agricultural fields. The whole bottom's in wheat. It's probably, I don't know, 300 acres maybe of this entire bottom. And Craig's property, he's got about 20 acres up front, 25 acres maybe, up front that's part of that field. And then the woods behind it. So, um as he was coming out, he saw all the turkeys. I think he said there were a dozen maybe in the wheat field. The wheat's only, I don't know, maybe like six or eight inches tall. So it's not very tall. They're out in it right now. Um, so he saw those, those birds out there. He decided not to make a move on them, which would have been tough anyways. Cause I, I think he said they saw him as he was kind of walking out of the woods, but he decided to lay off of them and not make a move on them. So we could go that next day and kill them on Wednesday. So we went out there that Wednesday morning and we set up on the corner of this wheat field, kind of just off the corner of this wheat field. Um, and bright and early, that's where they were the night before. That's where they walked into the woods. When Craig was walking out, they kind of saw him in the wheat field and they walked up into this corner and into the woods. Anyways, we set up there and there are a lot of crows in this area you know, a lot of times you'll locate your turkeys with an owl call or a crow call in the morning. Out there, there are so many crows. Literally, as soon as it starts to get light on the horizon before, you know, the turkeys really wake up, you know, before they are even begin to gobble, these crows are already calling. And they started calling. I mean, I'm telling you, as soon as you started to see just a little bit of light, they're already flying, they're calling, and... A gobbler hits maybe a hundred yards behind us and there's you know it's a late spring there's zero foliage on the the trees um there's a little bit of foliage now um just on the kind of in the brush basically but all the big trees there's nothing on them so he's a hundred yards behind us so our fear was we got in there super super early it was dark plenty dark but uh it's kind of a bright night um it wasn't a full moon I think it was a quarter moon maybe, but it was a really clear night and it was, it was somewhat bright. So I, we were kind of worried. Maybe they saw us, you know, maybe he saw us. We we're so close to him, but he just kept gobbling and gobbling. I bet he hit a dozen times uh, that morning. And then we heard a hen that was a little bit deeper into the woods. And my thought was, is that, you know, he's going to go where she goes. So we got to hope she comes to the field, but she was deeper into the woods. He was a lot closer. He, she was probably, 
I don't know, one and a half times as far as he was from us. So if he's 100 yards from us, she's probably 150 yards deeper into the woods. Well, we heard her fly down, and she flew down deeper into the woods, unfortunately, away from us. And right after she flew down, he gobbled and he flew down. And then he started gobbling on the ground a little bit, not much, but he gobbled on the ground a little bit and they just walked back to the food plot. So this big field where we're sitting up front is about 20 acres on the very, um, be on the east end of the property. And then the big woods go in. So this is a 120 acre block and it's like three 40 acre blocks stacked east to west. Um, so we're on the far east block. The turkeys, they fly in deeper into the woods and there's a food plot. So on the, you know, if you just break them into 40 acre, 40 acre squares, basically the, the 25 acre, um, the 25 acre wheat fields on the far east end of this long block. And then kind of in the middle block, middle 40 acre block you know maybe it splits the first 40 acre block and the second 40 acre block but there's a food plot a long narrow food plot right there and then beyond that there's you know 60 acres you know the 60 acres or 80 acres of woods that continue to go back and there's you know there's a lot more woods but that's the private ground that that's craig's property so they flew down into the woods so there's a strip of woods between, well, there's, like I said, that food plot's in there. And they flew down into the woods between the wheat field and the food plot. And they eventually worked into the food plot and probably deeper down into the woods. I don't know where they went. But uh, Craig and I sat there and then we decided to make our move to the food plot because that's where they, we knew they went. So we worked our way back there and set up on the south end of the food plot. And again, it's a long, narrow food plot that runs north-south. Uh, we sat on the south end of it, and, you know, the birds never gobbled again. Um, you know, this, this food plot is kind of just curvy, S-shaped, um, and they must have been further up on the north side of it. We couldn't see them. We can, you can only see about a third of that food plot from where we were. Um so we never saw them. They never gobbled. We sat around and just, you know, did some random calling and nothing happened. So we take off. Uh, we go home, finished our hunt. And this morning, Craig couldn't go this morning. He has, so he had something going on today. He had an obligation, so he didn't have a break. There we go, the break again. He didn't have a break from whatever he had going on. So I went out there by myself. And I decided that I was going to set up initially in the same spot that um, Craig and I set up in, you know, the, the previous morning, yesterday morning. So in the big wheat field, I thought maybe they'll be roosted up here again. This time they'll pitch to the wheat field and I'll get a shot. So got out there super early and it was a, it was a little overcast, so it was really dark. I wasn't worried about anything seeing me, set up my decoys. Got all set up, situated. I'm self-videoing, which is very tough, especially turkey hunting when you're trying to run and gun. But I got everything set up and started getting daylight. Here come the crows again. They started calling. And I hear a gobble, and it's way on the other side of this food plot. So 
as close as these crows were, uh, you know, I, if they didn't, if the, the gobbler didn't gobble right off the, you know, right away, I knew I wasn't near them at all. So I grabbed my gear and I hightailed it across this wheat field and I'm on the opposite end. So again, a long, narrow, like three 40 acre squares, 120 acres deep. I grab my stuff. I'm on the north end of the big wheat field. I have to walk all the way to the south end of this 40-acre block, and then you take the woods in. There's a road, a logging road, that takes you back to the food plot. So I walked all the way around there, and by the time I got there, you know, it was it was daylight for some time. And when I got to the food plot, I could hear the birds still gobbling, and there was multiple gobblers at that point and they were gobbling and I could tell they were on the ground and I was on the south end of this food plot again the almost south end so maybe a hundred yards from the south edge of this food plot and then the north edge is you know 300 yards or maybe 400 yards I don't know to the north, the north end of it, and it kind of S-curves through there, so I can only see about halfway of the food plot, but I can hear them up there gobbling. I knew they are up there somewhere. They may have been in the woods, whatever they were, but they were on the north end, so several hundred yards from me. Um, I started calling, and they they would answer, and then, you know, I've had a hunt before where I was calling to multiple gobblers and I knew there were hens with them and they would answer my my yelps and my cuts and everything else like that they'd answer my calls but they would never come in I've got a shaker gobble call and on that particular hunt a few years ago I hit that shaker gobble call and as soon as I did that it wasn't 10 minutes the gobblers committed to me and went up or my son I was actually Sam's hunt he ended up killing one of them or three of them that come in. So I was thinking that this is the same type of scenario. They're away from me several hundred yards. I assume they possibly had hens with them. Didn't know. So I thought, I'm going to try this. I would call. I would yelp and cut. And then I'd hit that shaker gobble call. And, buddy, as soon as I hit that, they would hammer back. And I did that several sequences, and they would kept hammering back. But they were circling around me. I could hear them down in the woods. So they were on the north edge, and they were working deeper into the woods, working to the south. So I can hear, you know, I can hear them. They would call there, and there were hens with them. Uh, I could hear them yelping down in the woods. I don't know how close they were to me as they passed me down in the woods, but they were working my way. And it probably took them... I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, if I remember. They eventually come out down on the far south end. So they circled me completely in the woods on the other side of the food plot from where I was on the on the uh, west side of the food plot. I was on the southeast side. They started on the northwest side of the food plot, worked their way down into the woods to the west of me, past me, and come out to the south and west of me. Uh, about a hundred yards down and so i'm facing i'm facing away from them i'm set up so they would walk from the north down the food plot that was that was my game plan that was my setup they were going to walk you know just follow the feed through the food plot 
and eventually come down where they would see my decoys come up and I was facing that way. Well, they circled around me and they were behind me and I looked back and I could see one hen out there. And what's funny is I, I couldn't get any of this on video because I've got my camera set up on the right, my tripod with the camera set up on my right side and I'm facing north. So I couldn't get anything on video other than some sound. Um, but they came out south and uh, to my behind me and to my left. That'll be easier. Well, what's funny is Craig has a tractor, and we used to lease another place, another piece of property over there that joined this property that had a barn on it. So Craig would keep his tractor in that barn. Well, we lost that property. Um, so Craig now has to park his tractor on this property. So there's no cover. There's no, um, there's no barn. There's no shed. So he parks it on the south end of this food plot and he's got it tarped. So he's got this giant silver tarp covering this tractor just stretched out flat. So it's, um, you know, he's got it stretched out. It's not like wrapped around the tractor. It's just like a big mound is kind of what it looks like. It's, it's, tight and it's just a big mound going over this tractor so you know it just looks horrible you would never hunt next to that is what you think so these turkeys come out right on top basically of this this tarp this tractor some of the hens possibly walked right over it i don't know i mean i was struggling trying to look behind me and to my left i'm getting a crick in my neck um Cause I'm looking back, I'm twisting my neck so hard to, to watch these birds and, and see what they're doing. So they come out, it was hens. It was a uh, three hens is what I saw. And then it looked like some Jake's come out behind them. Um, I started calling to the hens and I had one hen answering me. And then beyond that, when she started answering me, then I looked beyond them in still in the woods on the far South side of this food plot, I see three strutters. They're all fanned out and they're just strutting along side by side along the edge of these woods and they come out into the food plot. So I knew my only chance was to get the hen over and the gobblers were going to follow them. So there's three hens and one of them was just answering me back. I mean, we were just carrying on a conversation, it seemed like. And she would start to commit my way. And she got, when they started, they were about 100 yards or so from me. 120 yards possibly but she started working this way and she got to 60 yards maybe but the other two hens they weren't interested at all the jakes they were just tagging along being led by a leash by the two hens and the, the three strutters same way they were just hanging back and uh, just going wherever the hens would go well the two hens they walked down into the woods uh, straight behind me and the, the jakes followed her, the strutters, the, those two hens, the jakes followed those two hens, the strutters began to follow behind the jakes, and they went down into the woods behind me. And the hen that was calling at me, she would just, you know, we were just kept talking, and then eventually she looked back and saw her, her, uh, her group was leaving, so she eventually followed them and, and went down into the woods. So I'm sitting there. And again, I'm self-videoing. I'm trying to think, what should I do here? Should I just wait it out? And, you know, they could walk down into the woods behind me, loop back around and come into the to the food plot. Or 
what I assumed they were going to do is they were going to head into the wheat field, not where I set up, you know, earlier in the morning, but on the, on the other side of the wheat field where I walked into that logging road to come in, that's where they were headed. So there was a little bit of a ridge. So I just waited there 15 minutes and hoping that, you know, there wasn't a hen that was going to bust me or a turkey, you know, hanging behind where they were bust me, but they walked down into the bottom. So before they can get out to this wheat field, they got to walk down a hill and, or along the edge of this ridge, there's a little bit of a ridge that logging roads right on top of the, of a ridge. And they were on the, they were on the South side of that ridge. I was on the North side of it. So, but I was near the top. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to head North down the hill away from them, get down towards the bottom of this ridge where the logging road is and get up to this wheat field. So the farmer this winter, he expanded that field a little bit. He cut down some trees and he bulldozed in, you know, the field edge and give himself another 10 yards to farm, whatever it was. But so there's brush piles right along the edge of this field. So I, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to get my, carry my camera, my tripod, um, my gun, and I had a turkey fan. I made this little turkey fan. I mean, it's a turkey I killed last year. And I put it on a paddle. I actually had my taxidermist put it on a paddle when he was doing my deer. I had him do that too. Um, and then I just screwed a, an old turkey decoy head to it. So, And I put a stake on this, this handle so I could stick it into the ground. So I was carrying all three of those things. And I had to go down, down a pretty steep hill up a hill, down a hill and back up a hill to get onto the edge of this food plot, or I'm sorry, the wheat field. But I knew that's what I had to do if I had any chance. And I, well, it was a 50, 50 chance. They were either going to loop back around to where I was in the, in the food plot or they're going to the wheat field. I decided, you know, I'm going to try to make a move on them and see what happens. So I struggled to get down the hill and up it and down it again. And I got up to it. And right when I got, I think I was at the bottom of the second hill. They gobbled. A crow flew over, and one of the one of the gobblers, Jake's or whatever it was, gobbled. So I knew where they were, and I knew they were getting close to the corner of that food plot or uh, the wheat field, kind of right in the logging road where I walked in. So I went as fast as I could and got into this brush pile. Luckily, it started getting windy, so there was a lot of noise. So I wasn't worried about making too much noise and blowing them out and it started getting windy but i held that turkey fan in front of me as i was walking through there i held it to the side of me actually between you know trying to cover myself my head and and the uh where the turkeys were in case they could see me but it was a little bit thick in there so it was a lot of underbrush it's starting to uh starting to get some leaves on it so that was helping me out anyways i got into this brush pile and I kind of peeked my head around the corner of it and I could see the the gobblers were just, the three strutters were just coming into the wheat field. So I hurried up and got my tripod set up. And actually what I did first was I took my fan and I stuck it. And there's, you know, it's a pile of dirt in this brush pile. You know, they shoved dirt in so I could stick the stake right into a dirt pile to kind of block me and my movement if they just so happened to see me. So I set my tripod up 
got my gun set up and ready and I peeked my peeked my head out there again and I could see the gobblers were starting to walk down the hill or they were getting ready to get out of sight. So all I did was I didn't call at all. I took that that fan, that turkey fan on the paddle and just kind of held it out, you know, just moved it out as far as I could reach around the edge of this this brush pile where they could see it and just kind of moved it back and forth just slightly just some movement and one of those gobblers saw it and I held it out there for just a second and then I moved it back into the brush pile and I stuck it under the camera so it was pretty cool footage you can see me moving that uh moving that fan in front of the camera to get their attention and then once they notice it once I saw that they noticed it I don't think that was in the footage I stuck it in the ground right under the camera where they could just barely see a little bit of the fan and maybe the red head on that on that uh that fan as well the turkey the old turkey decoy head so uh i'm set up and as soon as they saw that i saw that lead gobbler pick his head up he saw it and he started working my way and he had to come about probably about 60 yards or so to get within range um and then he got he was within range so 50 yards i mean i'm, I'm calling that my range with you know the the Browning Maxis and I've got an Indian Creek shooting systems choke tube, which are amazing choke tubes. Uh, a lot of you probably already know about them, but they are legit. They win. They win all the time, uh, almost every year. Multiple classes at the NWTF shootout. So I was confident I could reach out there easily 50 yards with that Maxis that Indian Creek. Uh, shooting systems and the Browning BXD ammo uh, sh uh, shells. So he got to about 50 yards within range, but there was just a little bit. It was either you know part of the root of the uh, of that brush pile, or a log, or a stick, or a limb. Something was in my way. I can't remember now, but something was in my way that I couldn't shoot him. He needed to take a couple more steps, but. I don't know if he saw me or he probably saw the the camera because the camera was out further than I was, and he probably thought something doesn't look right with that. Well, the other two strutters kind of got behind him and crowded him a little bit, and you know he took a just a couple more steps, and he was right there at about forty yards and gave me a shot, and yeah, I made the shot and I just rolled him and ran out there, and it was a it was an awesome hunt, man. I tell you it. Uh, one of the best hunts that I've had as a self video or in a run and gun thing. It was, it was pretty tough, but he was a long beard. He had uh, a 10, 10 or 10 and a half inch beard. I didn't really measure it. Just kind of glanced at it threw the tape up next to it. And uh, real quick, cause I was in a hurry today, but about a 10 and a half inch beard. He's a two year old bird. He had about uh, three quarter inch spurs. So it, uh, I was happy with it. So, Craig, if you're listening, buddy, there's still two more longbeards out there, so uh, just get out there and get them whenever you can. And if I'm available, if I'm not working my real job or uh, not hunting next week in Missouri, I'll uh, I'll go out there with you. But it was uh, it was a great hunt. So, Craig, I appreciate you letting me run out there by myself today while you were uh, while you were busy. But uh, Missouri turkey season starts Monday. I'm super excited for that. Um, I'll be hunting with the professor, Joe Hain, um, in his neck of the woods up around Perryville, Missouri. 
So, uh, he's always got, he's got great land to hunt and, uh, it's always a super good time. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully I can, hopefully Joe and I both can get it done, but Joe will be, uh, the trigger man that first, uh, that first morning since, uh, our first shot, basically we hope to double up and get two birds, but there's just one Joe's a trigger man. I'll be the cameraman since I've killed in Illinois today and, uh, Tuesday, I'm going to go hunt with Joe Henneman. So the two Joes, the first uh, two days, Joe Henneman will go on his farm in uh, Scott County, Missouri, around Benton, Missouri, our hometown, my hometown. Uh, so, yeah, we'll try it there. And who knows, if I don't kill Monday, I'll try to possibly double up with Joey. Um, we'll see what happens. And then Wednesday, the plan is I'm going to take my dad. We've got a long beard behind the house this year so uh i'm gonna try to get him on that one and uh get that one done on wednesday and then wednesday night we've got tom Rainey rolling in from browning trail cameras to hunt with uh the professor and i joe hayne um he's come up the last two years and last two years he's two for two so hopefully we can continue that um, right away on Thursday morning when he's coming up here, his first day to hunt. So he'll be here a f- couple few days, Thursday through Saturday, maybe something like that. But, uh, what I'm really looking forward to is doing a podcast with the professor and Tom Rainey. So that will be an awesome time. Joe is, uh, the professor's a wild man. Um, we'll have to try to keep his language intact and uh keep it at least pg-13 so (laughs) we'll see about that and tom rainey with browning trail cameras that dude is a turkey slaying son of a gun he hunts i don't know how many states he hunts i think last year it was 13 states and and during turkey season and he killed i don't know 15 birds i can't even remember it was obscene the amount of birds he killed and he's already off to a a crazy start this year. I know he's killed in, where has he killed? Did he go down to Florida? Maybe somewhere, Mississippi, somewhere down South. He killed at least one bird, maybe two. Um, he killed in Tennessee already. So I think that, I think he had three up to, you know, at Tennessee, he had three birds and then he went to Texas and, you know, he sent me a picture of him and, Brent Feathers, one of the owners of Browning Trail Cameras, that they had four birds, I'm sorry, four birds apiece. They had eight birds lined up on a fence post that uh, the two of those guys killed. So Tom's killed a lot of birds, and, uh, you know, as he says, he's he get, he just gets mad at them. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So he will be here, and we're going to do a podcast, hopefully after a successful hunt on Thursday and and tell you some cool stories because Tom is full of them and you get the professor in here. That'll be, that'll be a whole lot of fun. So that's what we got looking forward to. So yes, we will have another podcast here in less than a week, right at a week. Yeah. Right at a week. Today's Thursday. What is it? Thursday, the uh, 12th. So yeah, we'll have a podcast Thursday or Friday, Thursday, the 18th or Friday, the 19th, depending on, when Tom can can get his bird killed. So that's it. I hope you all continue to listen to the Break 
podcast after today. This was the last Knocked and Loaded podcast. So I will be changing the name of the channel to the break. Um, my podcast host says you don't, you know, it'll just transfer right over. You won't have to uh, resubscribe to the break. Um, it sh- everything should just be very smooth. And you'll just see that if you're subs- if you are subscribed to the Knocked and Loaded podcast, you will see that it'll just transfer right over. It'll you'll just have a new subscription to the break. It won't be a new subscription. It's just that it'll change. So nothing should change other than the name. Um, but nothing's ever simple with me. So I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure some some sort of glitch will happen. So if you're not getting our podcast. After this one, the new one um, with Tom and Joe next week, if it doesn't show up in your uh, playlist, just look for The Break Podcast, and I will be making some uh, posts on Instagram. So be sure to follow, and on Facebook for that matter, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It is at Hunt the Break, and you will be updated on everything that's going on as well as the YouTube page. So if you're, if you're watching this video, if you're watching the video podcast, um, you've seen it on the knocked and loaded YouTube page. Well, now it will move over. So that page will just disappear and you'll need to subscribe to the break YouTube page, which that handle is if you type in at hunt the break TV in the search bar, um, it should pop up. You should see the break TV face or uh, YouTube page. So uh, there it is again. Follow us on Facebook at hunt the break. Type it in the search. The break TV Facebook page will uh, pop up on Instagram. It's at hunt the break. Type that in there. You'll see the break TV uh, Instagram page. We're also on Twitter. I need to do more on Twitter, which I haven't done a whole lot lately. It's at hunt the break as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Hunt the Break. YouTube's a little different. It's at Hunt the Break TV on YouTube. So uh, that's it. I thank you all for listening. Um, Sam's done with practice here in just about 10 minutes, so I've got to head that way to pick him up. Um, that's it, man. Uh, appreciate you all listening to the Knocked and Loaded podcast. And now it is the Break TV Just the break podcast. The break TV is a TV show. So uh, that's it, y'all. We'll see you next time. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Knocked and Loaded podcast. 